0: Hello and welcome to the interviews Podcast with Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Centre English Theatre and coming to you from the Fountain Room of Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the second interview of the NAC English Theatre's 40th anniversary season. In each episode, we will take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind the productions on stage at the National Arts Center English Theater. In them, artistic director Peter Hinton chats with a guest artist associated with production. In this interview podcast, Peter speaks with Breta Garecki, director and designer of Elfin Wake by Joey Tremblay, playing in the NAC studio until November 14th. For more information about the NAC English Theatre Company's production of Health and Wake, please visit nac-cna.ca. Click on English Theatre. And now, here are Peter Hinton and Brenda Gorecki.
1: Good afternoon everybody. Welcome to today's interview. I'm Peter Hinton, as a lot of you know, the Artistic Director of English Theatre here at Canada's National Arts Centre. And um, I would like to uh, welcome and introduce uh, Bretta Gerachy to you, who has the unique distinction of being the director and lighting set and costume designer of our production of Elephant Wake. And uh, before I invite you to welcome her, I want to tell you a little bit about Bretta. Bretta grew up in Winnipeg and resided in Edmonton for the past 13 years. She graduated from the University of Manitoba with a Bachelor of Interior Design and from the University of Alberta with a Master of Fine Arts in Theatre Design. She is resident designer at Catalyst Theatre, where she's designed the world premieres for them that have toured internationally to Great Britain, Australia, the US, and Canada. She also works at the Citadel Theatre, the Edmonton Opera, Theatre Calgary, Canadian Stage, Calgary Opera, the Globe Theatre, from where the production of Elephant Wake is from. She is the recipient of 13 Elizabeth Sterling Hayes Awards for Outstanding Achievement in Set Lighting and Costume Design, the Enbridge Award for Best Emerging Artist, and this year was shortlisted for the Saminovich Prize for Canadian Theatre Design. Bretta also designed a summer home on Devil's Lake in Alberta and continues her work as an archaeological illustrator. So please join me in welcoming today, <laughs> Breta Garakim. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Bretta, over the years here, we've had uh, actor directors, we've had stage manager directors, we've had playwright directors. Directors who also design is pretty rare. I'm trying to think. Of who else there might be, and it's a t- maybe Lepage Robert Lepage designs and directs uh, I can think of a couple of British examples. How did that evolve for you what, how do you How did those two disciplines come to be for you?
2: Well, on this particular project, Elephant Wake, I have been involved for I think we counted 14 years, this project. It started many years ago uh, in uh, Edmonton as a fringe play, and it developed into a um, full-length show that we did at Catalyst and then toured to the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, We subsequently toured to Regina a number of other places and then sort of put it to rest. And then 10 years later, Joey asked me to come back and work on it with him. And I said sure, and then I asked him who was going to direct it, and he said, "Well, I think you are." <laughs> and I said, Why on earth would you think that? That sounds like madness. And uh, so and is he it said, like the way
1: uh, <laughs> Hillary climbed Mount Everest because it was there? It <laughs> <happens> <laughs> you directed be because you were asked.
2: Well, I was I was directing because I was asked uh, primarily, and and then when we talked about it, because we did uh, for quite some time, his he was quite wise in his thinking, which was. He needed an outside eye uh-huh. who understood how he fit into the landscape of the show, mm. how his um, character builds, as you will see, um, uh, builds a town, builds families, um, and sort of does that physically with his hands. How he wanted, so I think he wanted that a visual connection um, through a, an outside directorial eye. To um, help him with uh, what was working and what wasn't working and and he felt like I was the natural choice for that
1: and how did that how do you uh, how do you see the two jobs being integrated, and how do you see the two responsibilities being uh, distinct
2: well I think they're quite integrated um, because I'm able to... I mean, the crew downstairs has been teasing me because um, <laughs> I, keep, I keep going to do something, like I'll, I'll move something or I'll shift something, and they say, well, I guess you don't have to ask the director that. <laughs> 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 so it's, we've become this kind of... Um, I've become a little bit of a sport down there because uh, the, the visual of this play mm-hmm. is so um, connected with yeah. the movement of the play, the story of the play... Uh, So those things feel intertwined. So I I actually feel like, they tease me about changing hats, but I actually feel like it's just one tall hat. Right. (laughs) You're able to sort of do all four of those elements, I guess, um, simultaneously. So I think think it works quite naturally together.
1: Have you ever directed with another designer? No. Does that uh, interest you?
2: I think that would be fantastic. I... I would be fascinated by that because, you know, our designer brains all work differently and h- what we respond to and inspired by. I would love to see inside someone else's process. I so rarely work with other designers. Mm-hmm. I'm often the the designer of an entire It's uh, a very piece.
1: unique and collaborative relationship. A lot of times when I've chatted with people in the audience, they've asked, well, who came up with the idea to do it in, all in this color or to use this material? And, and sometimes the process is a designer comes in and offers something. Sometimes a director starts and says, this is what I would like. Because you've certainly had the experience of working with many other directors. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who attended Magnetic North this year, the production of Nevermore from Catalyst by Jonathan Christensen. You might remember that beautiful Victorian design. Uh, Bretta created that as well. And, and you and Jonathan have a very particular way of working. What is that process like when you get a script? Someone sends you in the mail a play, or you know you're going to do. How do you read it as a designer that might be different than how I would read it, or anyone here might read it? What do you...
2: That's a good question. Um, I th- uh, my truth is that the first time I read it, I read it like anyone else would read it, for the for interest of reading it, for the enjoyment. excitement and pleasure yeah. of reading it. And I try really hard to just um, not have any of the pressure of what...
1: Designing it as you go. What will I do with this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How will
2: I, How will I make offers about this? I just try to read it for the pleasure of reading it. And... Invariably, because i 'm uh, I'm a visual thinker things w- things will happen, uh, but i i 'm not doing it for that purpose i 'm reading uh-huh. it just to enjoy it and then the second time I read it, <laughs> then I have to um, start start seeing it in a sort of an architectural way I think that 's how I come at things. I come at things spatially. Where does uh-huh. this fit in space where and in time, and how does this world get um, built. Um, and you know, so many of those triggers come from the script itself. I'll usually have read something two or three, maybe four times before I've even talked to the director just so that I'm going in with something, so I can go in with right. some uh, amount of information. Often I work with directors who are really clear about, uh-huh. about what they see and, and what they're looking for. And I find that... Th- um, if you come in with um uh a sort of well rounded world of what you're seeing um, i'm I'm so it's very easy for me to to dive in with with um both feet and and go on that journey that So you journey. like you enjoy the collaboration love it it is uh-huh. it is what i is why I do this. I do it to collaborate. I don't. Strangely enough, since I'm doing this show, <laughs> I'm the director and the designer. So it's not very collaborative. <laughs> <laughs> the only person I'm talking you to, I with yourself, suppose. but you know, in this case, it's uh, Joey and I are the collaborators. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's nothing that I there's nothing that I imposed on this production. He and I worked together on it. But I love the excitement of working with other minds, other people's. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Inspiration and um,
1: do you passion. do you sketch as you work? Do you look do to you. other resources or materials? Do you look through photographs and paint? What is the?
2: I do. It, it depends on all the person, of the but all of the above. Uh, sometimes it's about. Ripping images out of magazines and saying, "Does it feel like this? Does it feel, um, you know, no. gritty like this?" Or sometimes it's movie references. Um, What's well, a bit Batman? Is it Batman for you? Or you know, <laughs> there's, there's, you know that kind of conversation that happens. Or it's um, uh, I do a lot, a lot, a lot of sketching, and it depends on who the person is you're working with, because some people respond to. Um, sketches and drawings and they they get it and they like it and they draw back and you can have this this great um, sort of tennis game that you play. Uh, And some people are not so into drawing. They'd rather just look at you know good clear images of...
1: They need a photographic image too.
2: Yeah exactly exactly. So, So you sort of try to inhabit the mind of the director and dive in.
1: Joey shared with me, Joey Tremblay, who you'll see perform this afternoon, is also the writer. He was telling me about a couple of days ago in rehearsal, they you guys were struggling with one of the moments and it wasn't quite working as uh, you had hoped. And he said, and then Bretta said, I think it's too far away. Yeah. And it was part of, this show was originally designed for the Globe Theatre in Regina, which is in the round, and it's the only professional theatre in Canada where the audience is 360 degrees all the way around. Yeah. And we have our thrust stage here that we do some of our Shakespeare on and we'll be doing Christmas Carol on where we wrap around. But this is completely around. And here on the tour, it's in a proscenium. So you've had... Which changes the relationship of Jean-Claude to the audience. Mm-hmm. And so in this moment, he said... Breda said, let's move it forward. And so uh, you solved it through a spatial.
2: We did, we did, we solved it spatially. It was, it was, it's such an intimate, close moment and that um, it relies on the audience's imagination to imagine that these little tiny animals on a box were almost life size in a a field. So in order to imagine (laughs) that, you know, people have to feel somehow connected Mm. to it and, and that proximity Is really important, so it was further away, and he was having to walk upstage. So we were looking at his back for him to get to that particular place, and it just didn't have the the sort of heart grab that it should have had. Yeah, yeah, we did. We moved it.
1: That that to me is directing. Oh, because (laughs) you know Douglas Campbell, who we just recently lost, the great Douglas Campbell. He used to say to me. He used to say. Peter, there are only four meaningful directions you can give an actor, and that is faster, slower, bigger, smaller. (laughs) (laughs) And he's he's kind of right, because you get through all the discussion and consent, and the actor goes, is that faster? (laughs) (laughs) Slower. spatial, bigger and smaller, and, you know. I often describe you as the queen of glue, paper, masking tape, and and it's because breda uses That's very true. unique materials in her design. She's not the kind of designer. It might be your fantasy, I don't know who goes, "Call Milan, I want this fabric ordered <laughs> <No>. especially." <laughs> no. And I wouldn't know what to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you saw, you know, you'll see in this show this afternoon, incredible things done with paper, flour and water. Unbelievable. And in, in Nevermore, I remember a, a vest in our studio where we're close. And I thought, boy, they beautiful fabric and it's hand-stitched and all of that. And then I'm backstage looking at it and it's, it's masking tape. <laughs> Cut, masking tape on a black vest. In a pa- it, it, that, to me, is so theater. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> what, what, were you just mad with masking tape one day and went, gee
2: well that's um I mean these things uh, sometimes come from i, th- I think the g- the greatest uh, license or creativity often comes from having um, almost no resources, so when you start with very little okay. uh, you start somewhere and uh, we tend to dream really big at catalyst and um, and imagine these you know very structural uh headpieces and um coats and dresses and things and I can't sew at all which is terrible all designers <laughs> can sew I can't sew I don't know how to sew I'm hopeless but I'm great with a glue gun so <laughs> I have, I have a skill a crafter I, I have a skill I can do big crafts well I don't know how this came to be in terms of costume because I said for years that I couldn't be it wasn't a costume designer Because I didn't know how to deal with fabric. I didn't quite understand. I mean, fabric is magical, and people who know what to do with it, I just am in awe of always. And I started working with um, plastic and saran wrap and tissue paper and glue and... um, uh, the phone book, because this is the phone book. <laughs> you know, people are uh, always throwing away phone books. So I thought, oh, that's a lot of paper. Why don't we just use the phone book? So I was ripping up the phone book and and uh, <laughs> attaching it to, um, you know, sticks and, um, uh, you know, plastic cardboard stuff. And and and, and, it, and, it, and it works really well, because you can build it into, um, obviously, you can build it into... Um, period coats which I mean the thing that, that was really funny about Nevermore was <coughs> I had can. I had <laughs> I had a girlfriend of mine she saw it in Toronto say um, wow you guys had quite the budget for that show that is impressive and I said Really?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> what did you
2: think that was made out? She said, well, I don't know. It felt sort of Gautier, Jean-Paul Gautier. And I went, whoa, <laughs> well, look at me, Jean-Paul Gautier. And it's just, it's literally. Even like the
1: shoes on that show, because there was one character came out in these gorgeous black patent shoes with the white toe. And I went, okay, well, they, they, they forked out the money and they got some great designer shoes in there. The all shoes were taped. Tape. They were all character shoes with tape on tape. them.
2: <laughs> it's all masking tape. It's all masking tape. And it's, and it's you know, it's a lesson in contrast because it, we had all these black costumes and they weren't really popping on the stage and I attacked them
1: with masking wow. tape. And so then, here you get a script where the story of one of the major characters is a papier-mâché. That's what she does. She makes paper mache sculptures and teaches... Jean-Claude, how to do this. And this is a big part of it. You must have been in heaven seeing that. It's <laughs> kind of, my kind of show. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It is, in fact. And, um, and as you'll see, it, the, the paper is... It's the landscape of, of his environment. It's, it's the thing that keeps him um, alive, that keeps him creating, that keeps him, um, uh, I think, thriving in a sort of an imaginary... Uh-huh. Playground and uh, that's that's his tool. That's that's what he uses.
1: Was the show always conceived to be the design the way it is, or did you guys yeah. entertain other ways of realizing it?
2: Absolutely. Um originally it was um it was um a couple of steps, like large steps with a big um grain bin, like a big silo kind of thing. And uh, it it looked sort of like a landscape. You know, when you fly over the prairies and you see sort of like a patchwork quilt, it almost Uh. looked like that. Um, And then his anything, the only thing that was paper were the things that he actually um, manipulated by hand. And part of that uh, was about touring it, because we were taking it to Edinburgh. So we flew it to Edinburgh, and the silo arrived in 4,000 pieces. <laughs> it was a total disaster. So I was in a back alley in uh, Scotland trying to <laughs> glue it back together. The Canadian prairie. Classic. One of those absolute classic Canadian um, prairie mm. moments. So uh, yes, it was originally um, uh, quite different. And it has evolved over the years into what, you see, what you'll see. see this afternoon.
1: I'm always nervous in these scenarios of the spoiler alert problem because I realize a lot of you have not seen the show. We'll see it perhaps this afternoon. But there is a moment, I don't think it wrecks anything, that I love in this show where you get... It 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 hits you that perhaps Jean-Claude, the main character, has made the set. Mm. And it's so powerful to me that because... Often the, the set is how nature or God or whatever, inv- this world that a person's in, but it's his world. Yeah. And he's a builder of paper mache and, and you think, he's made all of these things. Yeah. To tell this story, to do this play, to have us with him. So you're, as, as uh, one of our audience members said, to, wrote a letter saying to Joey that he's not alone in a one-person show, because <laughs> <laughs> this one is so present in it, and that's part of the collaboration too. Oh,
2: I think it is. I think it is, and and a lot of things go unspoken after many years of working together, and you trust a lot, you know. And I, uh-huh. we had, um, there was a a car that we dug out of a field, um, yeah. m- many many years ago, and placed it in the set, and it was part of the. It was this old vintage car, this wrecked car. And um, everyone loved it because it sort of put yeah, a period bad. on things and it felt it was real and so on. Obviously, you can't tour. Well, not obviously. We couldn't tour with a big, heavy, old car. The expensive. We need to Shepeda. do something else. And, um, and so I said, well, let's let me try something. And, and this is what evolved, is this car that looks like he yeah. just might have been able to build that.
1: Don't you find sometimes creatively, when you're given a parameter,
2: yes.
1: more creativity happens? When you're sort of given no boundaries, no options, money's no object, y- sometimes you don't come up with the creative solutions is when you know you only have this much That's or it. this is the, uh, this is a uh, create within this.
2: That's where you end up with tinfoil and the phone book and <laughs> paper uh-huh. and saran wrap because... There are things that are um, on hand. There are things that are on hand and you're, you know, that's so much of what I do is hands-on and trying to sculpt or discover what something should or could be. And it's uh, it's not, I don't do it on my own, obviously. And uh, working with Uh um, the actors is really important as well because everything has to work on them.
1: It's something I really think you'll enjoy this afternoon is seeing the relationship of the design and the performance, quite uniquely, maybe more than in other projects. This is a little bit of a harder question, and um, we talked about this last spring when you were here at Magnetic North, but uh, the show is from the Globe Theatre in Regina, and part of our sort of theme of the shows in the studio this year are extraordinary people living in extraordinary places. So our three shows in the studio is this... Town of saint vierge in Saskatchewan, a Franco-Saskatchewan town. Our next show is in Nunavut, set in Pond Inlet. Our third show is set in Lytton, BC. And uh, is there a prairie aesthetic? You being an artist from the West, you work a lot in the West, and you also work in the East. Mm-hmm. Do you notice a difference when you come here? Is there? Would you say there is a a prairie or a Western way of thinking? Do you notice a difference from when you're working in Regina to Edmonton, and then when you go work in Toronto, or
2: that is a really hard question. Um, it's a very big country, and I think uh, I think there is a difference. I think that often um, uh, the Toronto region feels, um, it, you know, I have I have uh, lots of friends who, who work primarily in Toronto, and, and they don't need to work anywhere else. They don't need to work right. across the country. Whereas I live in Edmonton and I do a lot of work in Edmonton, but I also need to work elsewhere. So I end up, um, as do many people in the West, because it isn't as right. large, because uh, the city itself isn't as large um, and there isn't as much work, by necessity you end up seeing a lot more work and taking your work elsewhere and so on. Huh. And I think, I think there's a very... Um, uh, I think there 's a, a different kind of sophistication uh, uh, because I think that often in the prairies we are affected by a very rural sensibility or a, a real rural connection and and I think you know as is obvious Toronto's a very urban place uh, montreal very urban place and so I think it, there is a, a bit of a difference there but you know one of the things that we talked about um, is that i i think there 's a f- Contrarily, I think there 's a freedom in a smaller center um, there 's a f- freedom to really um, experiment without mm. fear of great failure because you 're not uh, w- you 're not as uh, financially bound as you are when you 're working in a a, a bigger city that 's tougher to to work and live in so there 's something um, there's something about the economics of huh. where you, ca- I think, from where you yeah. come from, that a la- Like, I know that I can fail terribly, absolutely terribly, whatever that may mean to someone. And um, you can take risks. You I can, can experiment. Still, you I can, can experiment explore. without question. And I uh-huh. can still. Um, and I know that there isn't, there aren't, fifteen other designers uh, waiting to take my job. Whereas I feel like the c- competition. That comes from yeah. larger centers requires. I'm not saying at all that I think Toronto is conservative, not at all. But I do think that it 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 forces it's a marketplace. You, forces you yeah. to be so superb and so sublime that there is a different. Um, uh-huh. I think there is a different uh,
1: attack. And, and does landscape? You know, like that sky, that Absolute. space, that
2: absolutely. There's a there's a wide open, massive spatial prairie thing that happens. Right. Whereas, you know, in Vancouver you have the mountains and the ocean. And I think those things affect how we mm. we live and how we work and what we're inspired by.
1: It's it's just one of the things my favorite, one of my top favorite things about the National Arts Center is to get to bring here stuff from all over Canada. It's not only just our own purview on the world, but to see what how does a Maritimer see our country? How does someone from the prairies see it. It's it's very, very interesting. Let's all join and thank Bretta very much for being oh, And enjoy the show. Enjoy the yeah. show today.
0: That's all for this edition of the Interviews Podcast. Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to interviews at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nac-cna.ca slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us for a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Search on interviews. If you'd like to stay in touch with news and updates from the NAC English Theatre, sign up for a free e-bulletin by visiting nac-cna.ca slash email alerts. You can also find us on Facebook. Become a fan of the NAC English Theatre on Facebook by entering NAC English Theatre into the search bar. Until next time, this is John Fitzpatrick for Peter Hinton and Company saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa.
1: Christmas is a time for giving, for sharing, for spending time with loved ones. Bah. Humbug. Christmas is my time. Christmas is a time for Scrooge. Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol, in the NAC Theater, December 8th to the 26th. Spend the holidays with Scrooge. Tickets start at $20 and are available at the NAC box office, Ticketmaster, or nac-cna.ca.